Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Dorinda Wilson Podcast. I'm Dorinda, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 28-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The 4-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, 31 Days in God's Word. I hope if you haven't already, you will check out those books on Amazon. You can also find them at my website, DorindaWilson.com. And you can find the four-hour school day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the places that I just mentioned. I also want to let you know that I'm speaking in, uh, let's see, I've got half a dozen events left this year in 2023, and I would love to be able to meet you in person. So I'll leave a link in the show notes so you can see where I'm speaking. And there are actually uh, links on that page so you can go directly to those events um, if they're in your area and you'd like to attend. Um, I specifically want to highlight the Refresh uh, Minicom that's going to be happening in Boston. Well, it's near Boston, but it's Burlington, Massachusetts on April 29th. I'll leave a separate link in the show notes for that. So if you're in the area, I'd love for you to sign up and meet me there. It would be great to meet you in person. Lastly, I always have to mention one of my favorite math resources. Um, it is CTC Math. And I just re- just today got a message from a mom who had this to, th- to say. She said, I took a leap of faith and tried CTC Math for the kids. I kept hearing you talk about it on your super helpful and wonderful podcast. Thank you very much. Our lives are so much better with this incredible program. My kids beg to do their math lessons first, and it has freed me up to work on the other ki- with the other kids more intentionally because I'm not struggling to teach concepts to frustrated children. It is a wonder. I was planning to pay for a math tutor to come over to help, and now I don't have to search for one. Thank you. And by the way, I've already told all of my homeschool mom friends. So moms, check out CTC Math at ctcmath.com. I'll leave a link in the show notes for that as well. Okay, so in the last episode, I had Wes back on the podcast to answer the question, are we living in the last days? His answer was a resounding no, after which he carefully walked us through why in a very clear and understandable way. Now, I realize that this can be a very controversial topic. So I want to be clear that I don't believe that this is an issue that affects salvation. So if you're absolutely convicted in your view that we are in the last days, I completely respect that. I have no problem agreeing to disagree, and we can still love each other fully as Christ has called us to. I'm simply proposing that we take some time to consider a different perspective than most of us have ever heard. I know this shift in thinking has uh, really been a game changer for me in a really good way, so I feel a certain amount of responsibility to share it with you so that you can consider it as well. Now, I have been a believer all of my life, 55 years, and all of my life, believers have continually said that we're living in the last days. So whenever there's a horrific event or the economy is bad or there's an earthquake or some other catastrophic event, those comments seem to amp up. And for some reason, this has always bothered me. It seems something like everything is going to hell in a handbasket. Oh, and this is God's really good plan for us. I know that sounds a little cynical, but that is actually how I felt about it. But I remember as a teenager how hopeless I would feel when an older Christian would go on about how horrible the world was becoming and how times are going to get even worse. And then somewhere in there, Jesus was going to come back and essentially airlift believers out of the mess, leaving the world he created to implode. I remember thinking to myself, how am I supposed to live my life with hope? 
Will I even get to raise a family? And even if I do, what's the point if it's all just going to get worse? Fortunately, I decided that I would move forward and invest where God called me to invest, at home, my marriage, family, community, and the church, and trust Him to work it all out. So basically, I decided to obey no matter what. And my husband agreed, um, and we moved forward with that in mind. Um, so that's how, we, that's how we've been living pretty much our whole lives. So now fast forward to the last few years, and we all know it's been quite a ride in terms of huge, obvious shifts in politics and culture with a big slide into the abyss of godlessness and outright rebellion toward God and his word, even within the church. And then, of course, cue in a rapid increase of more talk about it being the end times or the last days. Now, I feel confident that many of you are in the same position that we were. So, as I mentioned, Wes answered that question with a resounding no, we are not in the last days, and gave a compelling biblical argument defending that position. And if you didn't listen to that episode, I really encourage you to go back and listen to it. So, But those of you who did, um, now you've had some time to chew on what was shared And Wes is back to share what that shift in our view of the end times means for us in practical terms. Because one of the issues I've had with embracing the idea that the world is ending soon is that I've seen the vast majority of believers take on a sort of short timers attitude. They don't see the point in making any long-term investments. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about things like having a multi-generational perspective and investing across the board with the long game in mind. If we look back at the Puritans, they had the same perspective that Wes shared in the last episode, and it spurred them on to do things like get on a boat and risk everything for the sake of future generations. What drove them was multi-generational thinking and a sense of long-term victory, not just in heaven, but on earth. So Wes is back today to walk us through this fresh and hopeful perspective on the future. Um, If you don't know who he is, Wes is one of the elders at our church. He's a husband and a homeschooling father of four, soon to be five. He had joined us for several episodes over the last couple of years and is always a favorite guest. Um, I love his candid and solid biblical explanations for the topics we've covered. And here are just a few, and I'm going to leave links in the show notes so you can go and listen to these if you want to. We talked about uh, applying Romans 13 to the here and now, which we did in the middle of COVID, the importance of biblical education, the biblical importance of family, recognizing false teachers, the dangers of a self-help culture, how to find a biblical church, biblical discipline, and biblical submission. So again, I'll leave uh, links in the show notes for you to listen to any of those if those sound interesting to you. But now let's talk about if Jesus' return isn't imminent, how does that change our orientation in terms of world events and in terms specifically of our everyday lives as moms? All right, take it away. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, thanks for having me back, particularly to talk about this one because I get excited about it. Yes. So if at any point it sounds like I've broken into a preaching cadence, just forgive me. It gets exciting to me to talk about these things. So. As you said last time, we talked about uh, whether or not we are or are not in the end times or last days. Answer to that question that was given, no, we're not. Jesus and the apostles were. And what we meant by the last days or the end times was the end of the old covenant age Mm -hmm. and the installation of the new covenant age. Uh, So we need to ask the question now, if we aren't 
in the last days, then what days are we in? Right. And that's, yeah. yeah I'm just going to stop for just a second because a lot of people, I think, because this is maybe a new perspective for mm-hmm. them, don't understand the end of the Old Covenant Age ended at the fall of Jerusalem in right. 70 AD. Yes. So as we mentioned in the last podcast, all those conversations that Jesus was having with people about this these terrible things that were to come mm-hmm. was about that. Yes. So Correct. just to clarify. Correct. All right. Yeah. And and another point of clarification that's that's really helpful uh, is to notice that we were talking about uh, the passing away of the law that right. had to do with that old covenant specifically. Right. And one of the things that that law has in it, if you go back and read through your Old Testament, is um, basically there are blessings and there are mm-hmm. curses that mm-hmm. were attached to that old covenant that the nation of Israel was under. And uh, those curses hadn't been fulfilled yet. Mm. So when Jesus says uh, the law can't pass away until it's all been fulfilled— which he says in Matthew chapter Mm -hmm, mm 5, that fulfillment includes the curses that were going to fall on those old covenant people in the event that they had broken the old covenant, Mm -hmm. which, of course, they They did, did, particularly in the rejection of their own Messiah. Right. That was like the culmination of their rebellion. Correct. Mm -hmm. And so just from Jesus' mouth, hey, this can't end until it's all fulfilled. Well, it being fulfilled included the destruction that was foretold and the curses that were going to come upon them in the event that they disobeyed, and Mm -hmm. they did. Mm. So that had to happen right. before it could pass away. Okay. So um, good good point of clarification there. So if those end times are in our past, then where are we now? Mm-hmm. And of course, that's an important question because you orient yourself by knowing uh, what, what season is it? <laughs> you right, know, right. What time is it? And right. what are we supposed to be doing in the time that we're in? And I think that a lot, especially over the last few years, just all these things coming to the surface repeatedly— um, has just been a message over and over and over again that that I've gotten from moms is what am I supposed to do? Like, right. I don't even know. <laughs> they're, they're having a hard time orienting themselves. Yes. And that's why we wanted to do this episode. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and so the answer to that question, uh, if we're not in the last days, what days are we in? Mm-hmm. Uh, the answer is that we're in the days where Christ is ruling and reigning through his body, the church, while he's putting all of his enemies under his feet. Hmm. Those are the days that we're in. Right. And and moms are listening right now going, really? Because <laughs> that is not what I'm seeing happen. That's it. That's you want to explain that? That's right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we need the eyes of faith right. to see these things, right? <laughs> That's it. That's it. Absolutely. Uh, so we're in those days where we're actually walking into the fullness of that which Christ mm-hmm. purchased mm-hmm. for us. So we would all say that Jesus meant it when he says on the cross, it's finished. Right. <laughs> right. Um, we we believe Paul when he says that this great victory has been won and that Christ has trampled over the powers and the principalities. And like we believe those things when we read them, but we don't really have a strong sense of, okay, but what does that mean about invading my here and now? Right, right. And should I expect it to? Right. You know, or is this just like a heavenly ethereal type reality? Right. And maybe we'll see it. I don't know. Yeah. Later. Yeah. <laughs> right. So is now a good time to read that passage Absolutely. we discussed? So I'm Absolutely. going to read a passage that really encapsulates everything that you, you mm-hmm. just mentioned. Um, Ephesians 1, verses 18 to 22, talks about having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, 
what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Mm-hmm. Ah, see the two ages That's there. Right. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Yes. Absolutely. So that's the word that's spoken over us. Right. Now contrast that with the word that was spoken over the final Old Covenant generation. Mm-hmm. So all of the verses that we read last podcast about, hey, expect tribulation right. and expect uh, all this darkness and expect right. things to get worse and worse and worse. That was the word that was given to that final Old mm-hmm. Covenant generation. Mm-hmm. The text that you just mm-hmm. read is the is the word that's spoken to over us. this age. Wow. Exactly. Wow. The contrast there is stark. Yeah. So, okay. So, again, moms might be thinking, but I'm not really seeing that happen around me. Sure. So, can you just touch on that real quickly? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because what you're saying is Christ is conquering, Mm -hmm. and the church is the means by which he is— that's what he's using to, yes. to do that, to advance the kingdom, to fulfill mm-hmm. the Great Commission. Yes. However, these things advance through a process right. of conquest, which is just how God always operates, always. right? It's always. always a process. And that's just why Jesus, when he talks about the kingdom, he says it's like a, it's like a mustard seed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's this tiny thing, and it's going to grow over time. Mm-hmm. And eventually, it's going to fill up the whole earth. Or uh, another biblical analogy for the kingdom is that it's like leaven. And it just works its way slowly and surely until it fills up the whole thing. Right. Uh, And so the fact that God has said, yes, conquered, victory, etc., the impact of that is working itself out in history over a period of time. Right, right. And you've mentioned this before that what we we see in particular— just our own culture in in America not doing so well. And you've referenced that as— not a discouragement, but rather this is just a result of disobedience. Yeah. What we see happening in the rest of the world, if you have mm-hmm. any connection to what's going on out there, there's yeah. a lot of advancement of the gospel and some major changes happening. Absolutely. So, oh, 100%. That, yeah. And that's what I think yeah. moms need to orient themselves. We get kind of yes. stuck in our own little world here in America. Yes. You know? We're all despairing and despondent right. about Drag Queen Story Hour. Right. So we can't see that the gospel is exploding right. in Africa and mm-hmm. in the global south mm-hmm. and like that seminaries are planting and, and churches are being started. And right. All of this explosion of gospel life right. is happening exactly. almost everywhere else. Yes. But right here. Right. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, is that because we're in the last days, or is that because we've been really disobedient? Yeah, I think we know the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. Yes. Uh, and so, to, to return to that idea of the text you read from Ephesians chapter 1, that's the word that's spoken over us. Those are the days that we're in. Mm-hmm. We're in the days of Christ's mm-hmm. rule, Christ's mm-hmm. reign. He's been given as head over all things to the church, which means that the church is going to see all things come under her. Mm. That, that's what that means. Wow. If Christ is the head of all things and he's been given to the church, 
then that means that the church is going to be seen to be the one who is over all things. And what I what I, what I don't mean by that is like we're going to return to Roman Catholicism where it's right. the Holy Roman Empire. Right. But it is to say that the truths that animate the church are going to become the truths that animate the world. Right. That that, that is a foregone conclusion because Christ got up out of the grave right. and he now rules everything. So Christianity is eventually going to take over the world. Correct. We don't know when and we're all just a small part of that process, Correct. but we are a part of that process. Yep. And I think that's important to understand. And we are a part of that process within our homes. Correct. Absolutely. And failure to believe that is a failure to believe that Christ commissioned us. Mm. Uh, or maybe I should say it's a failure to believe that Christ commissioned us to something that will actually be accomplished. Right. Right. <laughs> right. It's to say that Jesus said, go, uh, you know, into all of the world and effectively, my paraphrase, take it over. Right. Uh, and he, that means this really earth, not... Right. Not the, the sweet by and by, which I have actually heard <laughs> pastors refer to it. Yes, that, oh, try to we can look forward way. to that in the sweet by and by. Yes. But that that makes everything so much more real. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Tangible. And so the word for us, the gates of hell won't stand against the church. Mm. Right? That as we go out and we're faithful and we proclaim and we build families and we build businesses and we build churches and we build communities around the gospel, that that's an advance that's actually pushing back the right. gates of hell. Right. And they cannot prevail against us. Mm -hmm. That's the word that's been given to us, mm -hmm. not the word of tribulation, not the word of near destruction, not the word of a soon coming judgment. That mm -hmm. was for that generation at that time. Mm -hmm. And so we have our marching orders and they aren't prepare for destruction. Mm -hmm. Those were there. And, and, and to, to underscore that point, you can see that language even in something like Paul's epistle to the Corinthians. One of the things he says in Romans, or not, not Romans, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it's a, a famous passage because it's a confusing passage to a lot of people mm -hmm. where Paul says, hey, best thing is for you to be single, mm -hmm. like I'm single. Right. 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 And everybody's like, uh, but hold on, didn't the Bible start with like a married couple? Right. And it seems like that's good. And God's good, saying and to be fruitful and multiply. Exactly. And then Paul's over here contradicting him, saying, mm -hmm. hey, mm -hmm. actually, celibacy, that's, that's God's <laughs> best. He didn't realize it in Genesis, but truthfully, that's actually what he's aiming at. Right. But Paul tells us why he's saying that. And he says, quote, because of the present distress. Mm -hmm. And that's because he knows that they're the tribulation generation. Right. He knows that there is already an intense persecution that was only becoming more intense from the unfaithful Jews that were about to get judged right. because they're those last days generation for, the, for whom judgment is coming. And Paul used to be among them when his name was Saul and he was rounding up Christians and throwing them in prison. Right. And so he's saying, this is only going to get worse for our generation. Mm -hmm. So if you can forestall your sexual appetite and forego marriage and family, it would be best for you not to drag a family through the tribulation. Right, right. Now, which culminated at, again, at the fall Correct. Of Jerusalem in 78. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it was four years of absolute military turmoil mm -hmm. before the decisive end. Mm -hmm. and, and again, because they knew what Jesus had foretold about these things, he knew this was going to be long, drawn out, protracted, right, and right. painful. Mm -hmm. If you can avoid dragging children through that, right. then you should. Right. Uh, so <clears throat> we hear people talk about that when they as they talk about this supposedly being the end times, this is where parents get discouraged. Right. And they get that message sort of either 
kind of in within themselves or they hear it from others and they feel discouraged and they feel like they should only, you know, they should stop having children. And so our message to you believers is no, you know, follow the Lord's lead and have the children he wants you to have. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Because actually what we'll see is that that's God's primary mechanism for the conquest Mm -hmm. that he's called us to Mm -hmm. and the fulfillment of the Great Commission because that that commission is to make disciples. Well, the most meaningful disciples you will ever make in your life and the most efficient uh, engine for making them is the Christian household. Absolutely, absolutely. You talk to any missionary out in the field and they will tell you, every single one will tell you, if you can have that person from the time they're a baby. Right, absolutely. You have an unbelievable advantage. That's absolutely And so that's right. where you are, moms, right now. You yes. have that advantage. Yes. And now that we're looking towards hope and not destruction, there's just, yeah. there's no reason to just, to not engage and be fully, mm-hmm. you know, put all of your heart and soul into what God has called you to do. That's right. Mm-hmm. And that's why I actually love this topic for moms in particular. I, I, I know that th- there are some who may be like, this is a homeschool and like parental podcast, why are y'all talking about this? Mm-hmm. And it's because it dramatically changes how you engage in it. Absolutely. Dramatically. And moms have a lot of stress and things to worry about mm-hmm. and all sorts of things that can be leaning in on them. Thinking that you're in the end times shouldn't be one of no. them. No. We we're we're going to take that, take off that of one off the table for you. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> right. Um, but to that, to that question, again, of why... Why does it not look like this advancement is mm-hmm. is happening? Mm-hmm. I think we should press in on that. Mm-hmm. One response to that is to say what we've said, which is, well, truthfully, if you'll if you'll not be so short sighted as to only look at our cultural context, right. you'll actually notice that it is happening. Mm-hmm. But I think the other response to that uh, is is to consider what the church has believed mm-hmm. in the place where there's Christianity declining mm-hmm. for the last. I want to say, uh, in terms of mainstream circles, uh, it's probably the last almost 100 years yes, yes. that a pessimistic view of human history has predominated in people's expectations. Right, right. And we've talked about this, that prior to that, almost all Christians held the view that we are talking about today. Correct. And so— and look what they did. That's fascinating. <laughs> yes, these these. People who got on boats and, I mean, the, the people who started, the Puritans, who, yes. who began this great country, mm-hmm. that was all based on the fact that they had this view of yes. the future mm-hmm. that was lost when uh, this, you know, more short-sighted, pessimistic mm-hmm. perspective became so popular. That's right. And even up to that point, we were, as believers, we were top-notch in things like art and architecture mm-hmm. and, uh, well, the arts in general, um, you name it, literature, yep. everything. We were, we were, we were the best. Mm-hmm. And that declined after that point. Yep. We stopped engaging in these things and stopped because all of those things glorify God. Right. They reflect, right. to a certain degree, they, do, they reflect the gospel. They reflect the God that we serve, this creator mm-hmm. and his creativity and all of that. And yep. so— I, But we were told they were going to burn up in exactly. the next five years. So why, so why bother? bother? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, yep. yeah, there was that shift, what, right. would you say, about 100 years ago? Yeah, and, yeah. And, in terms of popular culture, yeah. for sure. And you can see from that point on just this decline mm-hmm. in uh, the church's commitment to yep. preaching the truth, mm-hmm. um, their commitment to family— 
has slowly deteriorated. I mean, we held on to some of those tenants for a while, but they just sort of faded out. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, mom started working outside the home, you know, and it just, it just, everything shifted. Yeah. We started to lose because our view of what was going to happen in history was that we were going to lose. Yes. Yes. In fact, we were told that losing was actually a net positive because the faster we lose, the faster Jesus comes back. Right. Right? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, yeah, we shouldn't expect the Great Commission to succeed. We shouldn't expect Christian culture to flourish. Mm -hmm. We should be expecting the opposite of that. And so there are a lot of people who are looking around and seeing things burning, and they're like, Ooh, praise the Lord, it's close. Right, right. <laughs> right? And that has it's continued like, for that's decades. That's your view. Mm-hmm. Don't think that it's not going to, even if you don't hold that view self-consciously, right. don't right. think that it's not influencing the way that you exactly. live, the decisions that you make, mm-hmm. how you plan for the future, mm-hmm. you know, all of those sorts right. of things. Right. So that's one of the other things that's at play in terms of why we would be looking around in American culture and seeing, oh, it doesn't really look like victory to me. Right. Right. Uh, another one of the reasons is because Like old Israel before us, uh, we haven't believed that our God is actually going to do what he said he's going to Mm -hmm. do. And so we cower before our enemies, Mm -hmm. right? We know that uh, the Lord had told his Exodus generation, hey, I'm going to take you into a land flowing with milk and honey. It's the land of Canaan. And sometimes we forget that Abraham had already lived in Canaan. Right. He'd already been in the land before the Egyptian slavery. So they knew where it was. They had heard about it. They knew where they were headed. Right. Uh, This was all real to them. And uh, he says, it's yours. I brought you out of of Egypt so that I could put you in this land. And uh, they send the spies out and they see, well, they look kind of big and scary and they have all the institutions on their side. And it looks like the media is working for them. These these are some giants that I don't know if we can overcome. Uh, Maybe we should just uh, hang out in our own little Christian ghetto over here and Mm -hmm. uh, not not take that fight on. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I think, another thing that happens is we'll think, uh, what like what can we meaningfully do? And so what we end up doing is we have Christian subcultures that don't actually try to be countercultures mm-hmm. that would establish something else. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we just aren't engaged in the fight. Right. And if you're not actually fighting, then you're not actually going to gain any ground. That's another reason why these things are proclaimed but not walked into. Right. In the same way that God said, oh, yeah, the land is yours. However, there are some things you have to do to attain it. Right. Right. And the same thing is true. For us, because we also have more marching orders like they had marching orders. The last thing I'd say on the point of, okay, I I hear the passages. Christ is ruling and reigning now. He did give us a great commission. And yeah, presumably he didn't give it to us because there's actually no way of actually accomplishing it. You know, I take your point that this thing should be growing, expanding, spreading out. But again, I'm struggling with the way that the world is going. The other thing that we have to consider uh, is the fact that when there is sin in the camp of God's people, he does not fight for them. Mm -hmm. And so you look at the state of the church Look at the state of her faithfulness. Look at the state of the Christian family. Mm-hmm. And then ask yourself, is that something that God is going to endorse mm-hmm. by giving her more? Mm-hmm. And I want to say no. Right. Because in a ton of ways, the average Christian family is absolutely indistinguishable yeah. from the modern non-Christian mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. We make the same educational decisions overwhelmingly. We're, we live our lives exactly the same way. The same thing's coming through our television right. screen as right. it's coming through their television screen. And the thing that's so interesting about looking at uh, the first conquest generation, 
because this is only God saying, okay, old covenant Israel didn't do it, so I'm going to make a new Israel, and they're going to do it. Mm. And that means that we can learn a lot from looking at the failed conquest right. of the first Israel. Right. A lot of parallels there. And so go back to your Old Testament, and you can trace a lot of these things out. Um, but one of the things that God had said is, I'm giving you this land so that you'll do something different than the Canaanites were doing in it. Mm. And he actually says explicitly in Judges chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, because you have done the same thing that the Canaanites were doing in the land, I'm going to kick you out for a little while, mm. and I'm going to give it back to them because you're not doing anything different with it. Mm. And and so now think about where we are. Right. And it's like, okay, well, it's just not particularly confusing why God has said <laughs> what he said and has made the pronouncement over this land that he's made. Mm-hmm. But those things can be reversed Absolutely. quite quick and yes. in a hurry. Yes. In the way that we have seen, again, even in the first Uh, Old Covenant Israel's history, that when they repented, when they turned, when they were obedient to the Lord, how quickly did he restore what he had taken from them? Yeah. Uh, And so all of that brings these things right down to the ground to Mm -hmm. the way that we live in our own households. Are we being obedient and knowing that obedience to what? Well, it's obedience to the things that God has said. And the majority of the instructions that God gives in his word actually have to do with our households actually have to do with how we're raising our children, actually have to do with the inner workings of our family dynamics. Mm -hmm. So if we're unfaithful in those ways, we should not expect that we're going to see abounding, uh, you know, victories in our time. Right. Because he'll forestall those. Yeah. And I think, uh, I I think I want to speak to that, like in, in some, some practical ways on the positive side in terms of, um, you you said we're in an age of victory and conquest. Mm-hmm. That's that's how you that's how you would describe yep. the age that we're living in. So how that applies on a on a practical level with moms. Um, I go back to I think about Nehemiah and when they were building the wall because it was the same type of situation. They'd been exiled to Bab- Babylon, yep. and now they're coming back and they're rebuilding this wall. And Jerusalem, the temple was there, but the, everything else was out of sorts. Yep. And so they uh, needed the, they needed to get things back in order. And so the people, you know, Nehemiah gathers the people to start working on the wall. And the main theme is they have a, a sword in one hand and a tool in the other. And you have mm. mentioned this before, um, what a picture that is of what our job is as moms and dads is, and as believers. It's protecting and building. Right. So as we're engaging with our families um, in the four walls of our home, which this is where it starts, people. You can't do it outside yep. your home if it's not happening inside. So yep. God's not going to honor it. That's so right. uh, it's got to be, you got to have your house in order before you're yep. doing other things. Um, but, you know, so things like applying biblical discipline mm-hmm. and guidance, uh, whether our kids are, you know, whether they're bickering or being disrespectful, um, what we're doing when we do that is we are protecting and we're building. That's right. When we sit with that teenager late into the night because they need to talk and we're coaching and counseling and mm-hmm. trying to instill wisdom as they're trying to make decisions and um, you know, sort of become their own people, we are protecting and we're building and That's we're right. investing in that next generation. And so, you know, at the end of the day, it's keeping our families in fellowship with each other and with God. That's right. And so we do that. And when we do that, we're declaring this victory that Jesus is in fact king um, and this doing these things we're living out we're proclaiming his victory and conquest over mm-hmm. sin and death and we're just we're we're 
we're screaming with our actions that Jesus is Lord. That's right. And repeatedly over and over and over. So mm-hmm. I know that moms can get worn out when, you know, you're, you're trying to, you know, kind of keep things from falling apart and you're dealing with this over here and this over here. Every single effort counts. Yes. With this kind of thinking, yes. you know. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's all you do in battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all you, to use the language of Psalm 127, uh, what does the psalmist liken our children to except arrows? Mm. Why would he liken them to that? Because he knows you're going to shoot those out of your house and right. they're going to take down enemies, mm-hmm. right? And so don't think that this is unrelated or disconnected to the age that we're in, right. the age of conquest, victory, taking things over in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. And that's directly related to, uh, again, per the psalmist, that's directly related to what we're doing with the arrows in our own households. That's right. right? That's right. Yeah. And, and of course, our secular culture understands that that's how the war gets fought, and that's why they wanted to infiltrate our schools, and that's right. why they want to be in charge of what's coming through the phones that we put in our kids' hands right. and all those things, because they had a long-term multi-generational view. Yeah. Because they understand how these things work out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And then we're shocked. <laughs> You know, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, they had the long term in mind and we did not as the church. Correct. But again, that can change. Correct. And that's why we're doing this episode. That's right. We want that to see that shift. Yep, that's right. And so if you're looking around and you're thinking, uh, I I like what you've said and I want to be a part of pushing back the enemy, Mm -hmm. then you you go to a passage like uh, in Joshua chapter 7. When they had just seen all of these victories, they've crossed the Red Sea, they've seen all of this amazing stuff, right? They crossed the Jordan, Mm -hmm. God splits both of those bodies of water in half, they walk across on dry land, and they're thinking, nobody can beat us now. And then they go around Jericho, (laughs) and those walls fall down, right? And then they get to a tiny little city called Ai. After they've just beaten the most fortified city, Jericho, Mm. tiny little city called Ai, and their whole army gets put to flight mm. by an army uh, that's, right. you know, just minimal. And what, what was it that had happened? Well, a guy named Achan had taken some of the devoted things that God said not to take from Jericho, and he hid them underneath his tent. And so God wouldn't fight for them. Right. Now, he had already said, the land is yours. The victory is yours. The conquest, I'm giving into your hands. However, how long that was going to take and how much pain was going to be associated with that conquest was up to their obedience. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, God's going to always do what he said he's going to do. However, the process that we put ourselves in as as that moves forward and how painful or slow it is has a lot to do with our obedience. Mm -hmm. And so, since we've just gone to the household, we need to ask ourselves, hey, what are the devoted things that I've been hiding underneath the tent? Mm -hmm. You know, what are the ways that I have refused... Uh, submission to my husband? What are the ways that I refuse to put in the time and effort that it really takes to raise my children in the fear and admonition of the Lord Mm because I'd really rather tell them to shut up, go to bed so I could watch Netflix? What are the ways that I'm living effectively the same as a Canaanite? Mm -hmm. In which case, God's just going to give the land back to the Canaanites, let us die in the desert for 40 years, and he'll try again with the next generation, Mm -hmm. right? Now, that's not him abandoning his plan, but again, it's to say that all those details in between matter. Yeah, they do. And I'm thinking about also the mom who... there's a lot I, I there's a lot of temptation out there towards busyness and activities mm. in hopes yeah. of accomplishing whatever it is that they want to accomplish and so this slowing down and listening and being intentional and focused on mm. what does God say is actually important you know we know education isn't neutral 
right? I think every homeschooling mom out there probably knows that that's listening. Um, It's not neutral. And so are we being intentional? Um, Because the education of our kids is not, it's not just math and language. Right. Yeah, it's not just those things. It's so much more than that. So are we, are we, fulfilling that, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of what God is calling us to within our homes, you know, it's the discipleship yes. and, you know, and like you said, you know, our marriages, are we paying attention to our marriages? Because yeah. there's many a family that have sacrificed their marriage on the altar of homeschooling, mm-hmm. you know, and can I also say homeschooling is not going to save your kids, right? It's not. <laughs> and homeschooling right. is great and is a wonderful tool to help us be better disciples of our kids just if only for the time that we get with them and the ability to be able to walk life out with them and yeah. model our faith and talk about it so often in all of that when we get up and when we go to bed and all those things. Um, but at the end of the day, we have got to pay attention to what God has to say about family, about marriage, um, about how we raise our kids. And yep. so, you know, actually some of the other episodes we've talked about would be yep. worth going back to if those things are in question, um, yep. you know, biblical submission, discipline, yep. education, that kind of thing. So, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. You know, yep. I think mo- some moms might be thinking, um, well, gosh, is it just, just, I only can only work within the four walls of my home. I say, we say, no, that is a priority. Sure. That is your first priority. And you always have to be rechecking. Are we losing our focus on, you know, whether that's our priority or not, because right. we can get busy really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I just want to quickly mention something that I mentioned in a previous podcast uh, called Motherhood and Politics, where I talk about penny universities um, and how the coffee houses were started back in around 14, in the 1400s in, in Turkey. They kind of kept expanding and eventually were in Great Britain. And they uh, actually referred to the ones in Great Britain as penny universities because they, uh, for the price of a cup of coffee, anybody could come and actually talk to people who were successful businessmen, yeah. uh, professors, that access to people they wouldn't normally have access to just because of the way the culture was then. Mm-hmm. You couldn't move up like you can now. Right. Just about anybody can go to college now, you know, and, and have access to all kinds of information. Yep. But that wasn't the way it was then. Um, but the fascinating thing about that is that, um, of course, because it was in that particular time period, women weren't invited. Mm-hmm. They weren't allowed. And, but women, being the resourceful people that they are, um, decided that they would start basically having these conversations over their dining room table. And this is what I talked about in the podcast. Like, look, you got a home from which you can really effectively minister yes. to other people, yes. whether that's, you know, having them to your house, having another mom over and discussing things and you know, not being afraid to talk things through with people, being clear about, you know, what you know are biblical principles and just just being obedient to God within the four walls of your house can actually ripple out from there. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, that's what'll happen. And not even can, but it does will. it will necessarily. Absolutely. And that's why everybody else wants a piece of your kids. That's absolutely right. That's why the strategy mm-hmm. had to be get women out of their households, which mm-hmm. means that you get kids into state institutions, yes. which means that we get to determine how they think. Absolutely. That, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't get any more important than that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. So good. All right. Well, did you have any other things you wanted to share? Yeah, I think uh, one other thing that I that I want to say, and this is mainly because I've, I've gotten this uh, I've gotten this critique before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I use a decent amount of like battle and conquest language and Right. in my preaching. Right. And so I, I actually have had people that I'm, I'm close to mm-hmm. say, hey, 
Yeah. Are you afraid that you might be alienating the ladies a little bit <laughs> with all like the war? Well, talk? you are a guy. <laughs> I know, right? It's like so. I've been playing with tanks since <laughs> I was three. So you know, I like to shoot stuff. And but uh, you know, and and I thought about that. And uh, the 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 reason that it was a fair critique wasn't because uh, we aren't in a battle situation. Right. We right. are. Pastors need to talk like that. Christians need to think like I that. Agree. The number of biblical analogies yeah. to that. We would are, be unwise. Correct. To assume we're not in a battle. Every That's day. right. That's mm-hmm. right. And like we just talked about, like what's the age we're in? Well, what did, what did Jesus say? He said, "Go take it over." Mm-hmm. He sent us out. On a conquest. He's mm-hmm. putting all of his enemies under under his feet. And who's he doing it through? He's doing it through his body, the church, That's to right. whom he was given his head. Mm-hmm. Ephesians chapter 1, uh, you know, 23 particularly. Um, also, another text on that is 1 Corinthians um, chapter 15 mm-hmm. uh, on the resurrection. He says mm-hmm. that Christ must reign until he's put all of his enemies under his feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, which means he's reigning now and he's putting his enemies, enemies under his feet now. Mm-hmm. So we're in an age of conquest. Make no mistake about right. it. The New Testament says that clearly. Mm-hmm. So the critique wasn't a good one because I shouldn't be talking like that. But the, the, the critique was helpful in that uh, I did need to make more explicit connections to how women are a part of that battle. Mm. Because we generally think about men as being foot soldiers who are right. on the front lines right. and reloading their guns and, you know, whatever. But you also have to process the fact that uh, the cook is as much the life force of that battle mm-hmm. as the foot soldier is. Absolutely. Right? And, and the nurse is as vital to that war effort mm-hmm. as the battle strategist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this thing only moves forward if everybody does what they're supposed to do in the place where they're supposed to do it. Mm. Otherwise, the war effort falls apart, mm-hmm. and we end up in the wilderness for 40 years oh, wow. until the next generation yeah. Yeah. tries to get it right. Yeah. Right. Oh, wow. That's so good. I, that is a wonderful place to, to wrap this up. Yeah. So um, I, I did want to mention real quickly that I received a request from a mom wanting more resources on the end times perspective that we discussed in the last episode. So uh, just letting you all know if you're interested in checking out more resources, we're going to include those in the show notes because I'm sure there are going to be some of you out there who are curious. Um, well, if you want to go ahead and uh, close in prayer, it would be great. Yeah. Father God, thanks so much uh, for the hope and the confidence and the victory uh, that comes to us when we read your word and uh, we can kind of take maybe some of the presuppositional blinders off and see what you're really saying to us. And so we ask that uh, this has been an encouragement, that it reshapes and reforms the way that we engage in our everyday obedience, realizing what's really at stake with that obedience uh, and the way that it rings into the next generation. So for these moms who are listening, uh, just ask for an extra portion of your spirit as they sift through these things and realize that they may be novel theologically. Um, But I pray that you would uh, give them the wherewithal to press through what may seem like some density theologically Mm -hmm. to get to the true treasure of practicality Mm -hmm. that really is on the other side of it. So we trust that you'll do that. And we'll thank you when you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One last thing, moms, I want to share this last resource with you. If you're, uh, I know most of you are homeschooling, but some of you are on the fence. And um, either way, uh, Classical Conversations equips parents with a proven curriculum and support from a local community of homeschool families, all walking the same path together. You're their first teacher. Be their best teacher. Learn how to make homeschooling doable at classicalconversations.com slash Dorinda. That's classicalconversations.com slash Dorinda. And I will leave a link to that in the show notes. Have a great day. Thank you.